Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos. We're listening to today's episode sponsored by KB Coffee on 321 North Main Street in Jonesville, South Carolina. They offer hand car wash, vacuum, and clean interior. Coming soon, full detail will also be available. While you wait on your vehicle, customer seating is available as well as the dining area. They open Tuesday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., so make sure you stop by. Today's episode is also sponsored by Charlene's Home Cooking on 1136 East Blackstock Road in Moore, South Carolina. Charlene's Home Cooking is a family restaurant that cooks like grandma with fresh veggies and meats cooked to order. You can do a meat with two sides, a meat with three sides, or a veggie plate along with sweet tea, Kool-Aid, and lemonade. Cakes, pies, and cobbler are also available for dessert. She's open Monday, Thursday, and Saturday from 11 to 6, and Friday and Sunday from 11 to 7. Everything is fresh and from the heart, and she would love for you to visit. So thank you, Miss Charlene, for sponsoring the episode as well. Also, this this week, just want to announce once again that pre-orders for my first book um, is finally, finally available now. The title of my book is very controversial. It's called, but you really have to see it to understand. But the title of it is called, F School, Life is Your Best Teacher. You can pre-order through Cash App at Carlos K. Smith or through PayPal, CarlosSmith10 at Yahoo.com. Books will also be available on Amazon.com. Order your copy today and thank you for the love and support. So like I was saying about that cover, <laughs> it's very controversial. <laughs> it's very controversial, but you'll really have to to read the book to understand. I always no, tell everybody I, that. I understand perfectly because you're saying, you're saying the education system here in, in our country especially is very systemic and it keeps feeding into the same patterns that don't allow pe- people to be entrepreneurs, things of that nature. Absolutely. So I, I understand exactly what you're yes, saying. Sir. You're and hitting the nail straight on the head. The, and the cover of it, once you see it, I actually had to show you show you the um, cover once we finish this interview. It's a picture of me and my son on the front of the, of the book and he's holding my degree and it's looking at, and I'm looking at directly at him while he's holding it and he's smiling. So it's kind of like, when you look at it, it's like I'm talking to my younger self saying what I would do differently second time around. Absolutely. It was so much that I didn't understand about school. Um, like just how society portrays things. Like you go to high school, college, get a, get your degree, then you go work for somebody, and that's it. That's it for yep. 30, 40 years. That's right. it. Yep. So that's that's kind of that's kind of how. And it, then you retire with not enough money to retire with. And then you go to work at Walmart putting stickers on people's packages Absolutely. as they walk in the door. Oh, man, don't, don't get me started. <laughs> I, I, I talk about so much of this in my book, and it's, and it's weird. Um, I actually had one of these conversations yesterday. And I know this is not even about me. It's, it's about your story. But it's just like how we just – this is just a conversation. But it's just so many of these things that goes on in society. And it's just crazy because how I just had this conversation yesterday with another uh, older gentleman at work. Um, he went to work for a company for about 38 years, mm-hmm. and he said they finally came to him one day and just said, we, we need you to check your email. And so he just asked his manager what was going on, said, we're going to give you a severance package, and, and that's it, because they had pretty much were downsizing. So he pretty much took that money, and then he moved down um, down our way in South Carolina. Um, I mean, and now he's still working a little bit. I think he's only worked so much because he was telling me something about um, it would mess up his Social Security. But it's just like, you know, you stay at these companies and it's still no guarantee, no loyalty. When it's time for you to go, it's time for you to go. And That's like, it. Like, you won't get a heads up or anything. Like, they can just cut ties. And he said he was there for 38 years and the same thing happened to me. And, it, and for me, it's like, you know, just going on this entrepreneurship journey, it's like the more that I talk about these things, it's like I, the more I start seeing it more and more. And I hear these stories more often about how you can be dedicated, committed to, the, to your job. But when they're ready, then they go. Yeah. Ways. And 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 you're making pennies on the dollar. 
right? They're they're making millions of dollars, and you're making pennies on the dollar. This whole system is structured for you for you to fail, and it strips you away away any creativity you have earlier on. Mm-hmm. You know, you know they, they 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 took art and music out of schools, for example, which was ways of of kids to learn to be creative, creative. Mm-hmm. and follow their creativity, express their dreams, things of that nature. No, 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 pull all that out. Mm-hmm. Let's get them focused on. Solving problems that have already been solved, and uh, making somebody no 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 back back up solving problems that already been solved. Then get them in a mindset of showing up somewhere for eight hours every day, and then getting underpaid. But that's Mm -hmm. okay because you're furthering the the, our society, but not furthering yourself. Mm -hmm. So no matter how high you go up on the degree scale, and no matter how many degrees you get. You're, while you're educating yourself, true enough, but it's for somebody else's benefit because then you owe all this money. Because can we talk about the money? Mm-hmm. You owe all this money at the end. And what's so funny about college, and I think it's starting to change now, but the first two years is tipping because you, you, they're not even get putting you in your in you your major area. Latest. Yeah, you wasting time. You wasting time. The, but the money's the same. Mm-hmm. And then when you get out, you're already two or three years behind because industry moves on. Mm-hmm. And so the stuff they're teaching you isn't even up to date. So now you have you have this this degree in your hands that is you know three or four years old, or depending on which which uh, field you're in. If you're in, you're in technology, it's probably six or seven years old by the time you graduate in four years, just because of how fast technology moves and changes. Mm-hmm. And they you owe two to three hundred thousand dollars, and the job you get pays you about forty to maybe seventy if you're lucky, and that's it. And then, and it's not like you bring home seventy. You bring home like fifty. No, taxes and everything. <laughs> oh and yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Taxes and all that stuff come yep. out. So it's already structured for you to fail. Mm-hmm. So that way you're already in debt for your school loans. Then you start. You think about buying a house, which is the American dream. Yep. Buy your house. Well, that's another loan, and so that's more money you're in debt. And so the whole the whole the whole cycle continues. And they have somebody else that I like to call as part of the matrix. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, but I, but I'm, and you know it's, it's just like how society just portrays these things to us, like over and over. And like you said, the next step after that, you get your job. It's like and you get your degree job. It's like like you said, a house is the American dream. And to me, it's just like man, why is it's like everybody follow, follows that same pattern that regardless what kind of job they have, they follow that same pattern. And, like, and, my, and sometimes I sit back like man, is are we is it really supposed to be this way? And I'm like no, it just how society just makes everything look to us and then we just follow along those same lines until pretty much till we die pretty much and then and then what's also interesting is they don't even teach you how to budget your money nope they don't teach you by economics things of that nature um and and, and not and economics may be too big of a picture but at least on a smaller scale how just you know personal finances mm-hmm. how you budget and manage your money things you can't afford things of that nature they don't teach you any of that because nope. then that that'll be opening your eyes very early on like well wow why wouldn't I want to pay, you know, this for this and then maybe sell it for this and then make this amount of money in profit? Why wouldn't I do that? Because people would see that. Mm-hmm. But no, no, let's just get you in the mindset of, hey, you know, you make enough money to cover your bills and then, you know, put a little money away for, for savings, you know, for, a, for, for, for when you retire or whatever. And they start hitting you with life insurance policies because you're going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the, the fear mongling. You're going to die. Oh, yeah. And when you die, you want to make sure that your people are taking care of when you die. Because right. you're going to die. Mm-hmm. I, 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 was like, I was like, okay, 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 I know. I, one day I'm going to kick kick the bucket. But I'm leaving a lump sum of money that 
doesn't appreciate. It just it's one lump sum. Right. It's nothing residual income coming in to help replenish whatever spent. Like, well, if you invest enough money, the dividends. I'm like, okay, well, let's look at that. Right. Right. You know, there's no, no nothing gonna pay me thirty to fifty percent on my money. Nothing like that exists. Nope. Only if I have a business that I can pass on to my, to my children and build generational wealth will that actually transpire. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I'm with you. something, like you said, we never learn about nope. in school, something that definitely needs to change. But I'm, I, I'll definitely be touching on it. Just in my book, I'll be touching on some of those things. But enough about me. For Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. We can talk about that all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when this. I have these conversations about it, I just get heated all the time. It's like, man, it just... It just makes me mad, but we'll get back to it a little bit later. Sure, I sorry. Absolutely, have some questions about it. Derailed but, you, sorry. But um, for everybody watching this, sorry, this is just gonna be a great conversation. But today I have with me a very special guest. He's the owner of Symphony Chips, Mr. Dunjo Anderson. How are you today, sir? Man, I am blessed and highly favored to be here, man. Man, it's so so good to have you here. Um, I really appreciate it. Like you said, the stuff that we were talking about earlier, the stuff we're talking about now. Um, it's so important to our community. Um, we'll definitely get more into it, but just kind of starting out, Symphony Chips. I know I, I was looking online. They said it started out as a spice company. So kind of talk about that and how did you make that transition from the spice company to, you know, chips? Absolutely. So we started, as you mentioned, as a spice company, and my dad's a retired restaurant chef from Las Vegas. So mm-hmm. while working on the famous Las Vegas Strip, have you ever been to Vegas? Not yet. I, man, okay. Yeah, that's that's so. one of my uh, <laughs> trips on the vision, on my vision board. I said, we're going to go, we're going to do some interviews in Vegas as well. So we, we're, def- we're going to make it happen. Okay, great, great. Well, um, you know, Vegas is known for gambling and everything, and in between the gambling, you got you to gotta refuel, you got to eat. Mm-hmm. So my dad worked on the Strip, and I like to think that a lot of the food that's out there that, 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 that he actually influenced a lot of that so because that's just how long he was there so the spice he created while working on the strip he had and then when he retired it was just literally just something he had on the side of his stove he just seasoned his eggs with right this is how I found it because I went to visit him one time um, and uh, he made me eggs one morning and it was like I was like oh my god what, what, what's on these eggs? This is this is amazing because I'm just used to maybe a little salt and pepper on my eggs, right? Mm-hmm. He put that on. I was like, whoa, this is like a whole nother level. What is this? So, oh, son, it's no big deal. He's from that generation, you know, no big deal. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it's not even worried about that or whatever. So um, we made a couple more dishes with it. And I was like, this is this, this is this is amazing. We should bottle this and sell this. He was like, well, okay, let's try it. Let's see what happens. So my background is electrical engineering and computer engineering, right? So... Nothing about spices, nothing about food did, mm. did I know or, or even understand. So when I got into it, I, I read a little bit of information about how to run a spice company or whatever. Wasn't a whole lot out there. So for, for, for all intents and purposes, my goal was to get it in stores. Mm-hmm. So I used to stalk people in grocery stores to see how they bought spices. I'd be on the spice aisle. Let me see. How, how, how do you pick out spices? Most of the time, the people who would buy blends would literally pick, pick up the package, look at it, and shrug their shoulders and put it in their basket. I'm like, okay, so if the packaging is pretty, you'll buy it. Okay, all right, got it, got it. So I made the packaging real pretty and got it, got it into a store, and it didn't move. So I said, okay, well, we got to do something. So um, I decided, to, let's, hey, let's do in-store demo. I said, no people try to spice, they'll buy it. So we just did an in-store demo. And um, because it's an all-natural spice, non-GMO, uh, no MSG, vegan-friendly, we were able to put it on raw vegetables and popcorn, right? Mm. So people would try it, buy it immediately. It was great. It was just it would sell out real quick. I said, all right, great. This is cool. But it really wasn't a sustainable model, one. And then, two, I was like, well, we're not really attracting enough people here. I said, so let's do a live cooking demo. 
So I said, okay, so I said, what can we make that's really quick and it doesn't take a whole lot of effort, but we can get people to try our spices? So I said, well, hey, let's try it on potato chips. So literally, I would cook the chips, put them, take them out of the oil, put them on the paper towel, sprinkle the, 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 the season on it, put it right in front of the people, right? And then give them the chips. And they would try it. They'd be like, oh, man, the spices are good, but where are the chips at? Where can we get a bag mm. of these chips? And he was like, can you just make me a bag? I said, well, no, we're handing out samples. Well, I need a bag. Mm. I was like, I need a whole bag. So when people, enough people tell you that from all walks of life, you know, black, white, brown, whatever, mm-hmm. all of them said the same thing. I said, oh, wow, well, we, we may have a hit here. So I know that about 90% of businesses fail because they can't supply the demand, mm-hmm. right? That's how, that's how it happens. So I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this company or this arm of our business differently. I'm going to do it backwards. I'm going to get the supply chain done and figured out. Then that way, the product that I hand out pe- to people at the end of it will be from the supply chain, never from my kitchen. Right. So that, that was the premise. So Because I had, I had the idea also that if somebody, if the right person tried my chips, they may say, hey, I love them. I need 100,000 bags. And see, my thing is I want to be able to fulfill that order. So that's that's how we got started. So it was around 2015 by this time when we well I say about 2013 we got the packaging done. 2015 by the time we got into a store and we were transitioning over to potato chips. Took me about a year to almost two years to figure out the supply chain because in this country the manufacturers do not advertise, mm. so it's difficult to find them and then find ones that do private labeling is a whole nother effort. So by the time I got everybody figured out and I got the chips done, it was, about, it was around 2017 by that time. Mm-hmm. And that's when we launched online. So that's how, that, that's how we got there. That was interesting how you say you kind of went, went and found the, manufact- ma- the manufacturer first. Would you, would you say that was kind of like important, um, I guess, for a lot of entrepreneurs to kind of have, would you recommend them to kind of figure that part out first before their product? Or was it easy for you to figure that part go ahead and do that part first because you knew that the chips were going to be hit since so many people were kind of like recommending it. Well, I just, I just felt it, you know, cause you know, mm-hmm. I, I pay, pay attention to, you know, what God shows me when, when people stand in front of you who don't know each other, right. At different times of day and say the exact same words, that's God. Right. They, I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> so, um, I would say to our entrepreneurs, you know, I don't believe in small businesses. There's no such thing as small business, only small minds. Right. So you can be as big as you want to be. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like, well, hey, I just want to have, you know, service maybe a small group of people in my community and that's it, then that's cool. You can do that right out of your kitchen, whatever, no big deal. But I knew that I wanted to have a product that, you know, if, I, if people from all walks of life are loving it, that means it's going to be international. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I, there's no in the world I want to be in my kitchen trying to make, you know, 100,000 100, bags myself. Right. So I would tell any entrepreneur that, hey, if you have a product, I would say solve the manufacturing problem first. Because it's a problem. Because mm-hmm. you can't, because the, the whole part about scale is it happens fast. The right person tries whatever you got, they, they, they want to move. Mm-hmm. And so if you get the right brokers and stuff involved, they want to move too. Because everybody's like, hey, well, we can make money with this. We can get you in these certain places. They want to move quickly. Whatever they say, good things happen over time, but great things happen all at once. Mm-hmm. You got to, chance favors the prepared mind. So be prepared. Right. And were you, were you at all nervous? Like, was it kind of like trial and error? Like, how... Do you like you said you were just kind of just walking up to people saying, "Hey, try this"? Or how, how was that process like? 
It was just, you know, I guess, you know, I, one thing about food that I really love is that no matter what kind of day you have, it can be the worst day. You, as you mentioned earlier, somebody gets an email with a pink slip in it, right? And it's mm -hmm. just like, oh, man, I'm, this is terrible. But you get the right plate in front of you, the right food, it can be like, oh, okay, today wasn't so bad. You know, right. at, least, at least it ended on a good note. I got this good food or whatever, man. And I was just, I, I love or I'm addicted to changing people's perspective and then changing their their energy right there in front right. of me. They try to like, oh my God, these are amazing. Or, or, or just simply saying, hey, we have gourmet chips. You know, people are like, ain't no such thing as gourmet right. chips. That, 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 that's not real, man. What a get out of here with that. Get out of here. And what's it called? Original? Come on, man. I, I, I had original 10 times already. You know what I'm saying? I, I know what that is. And then when they try, it's like, oh my God, I, I wasn't expecting that. This is like a real seasoned potato chip. Oh my god, this is this is this is crazy. Mm -hmm. And so I just believe in raising the bar because I feel like all the other co companies out there are making you know these regular potato chips. I think somebody had to make the Bentley. So right, absolutely. Now, now Tip, I think I saw online. I saw that you guys were on Target. You in Target? I mean, yep. What other what other stores? How can everybody find? I know you Target and you sell them online, but where else can people find the chips? So we're in Target, we're in Walmart, we're in TJ Maxx, we're in Marshalls, and we're also in uh, Amazon Fresh. Mm, so is it and it's everywhere, not just in Atlanta, right? So so Target is only here in Atlanta. Walmart's only here in Atlanta because we just got into Target and Walmart fourth quarter last year. So they're doing this whole test phase to see how it goes. And then uh, TJ Maxx and Marshalls is nationwide. So nationwide. any TJ Maxx in any city you're in, you in, you at, we there. I definitely have to go back. <laughs> if, if they're still open when we get back home, I'm definitely going to make sure I stop by just to get a bag of chips. I, I just want to go um, go check them out as well. Absolutely. But as far as how many flavors do you guys have so far? So we have our three flavors out now, which is the original, then we have smoke, then we have balsamic. But we're about to come out with another four flavors. Okay. And your father, I know you said he he was the one who made the seasoning and everything. Is mm -hmm. he still kind of hands on with? with oh yeah, every or? every blend that comes out, he mixes and authorizes. Okay, just wanted to know, know the part. Did, did, did growing up, did you want to be a chef, or what did you want to be growing up? Because you know, I know you said he was a chef in Vegas, and so. so I actually had, um, you know, the best of both worlds. Like my mother is a is a hometown country cook, right? Mm -hmm. And then my father's the gourmet chef, right? So I, I'm the guy that makes the collard greens with the white wine reduction in them. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it was like mixing that together. So um, for me, I've always been a lover of technology. Cooking was just something that I just enjoyed to do as well. So I figured that would up my that would up my marketability with uh, with women, right? right. And, you know, if I if I can cook, you know, then bam, I'm, right. I'm that's eighty percent of the game right mm -hmm. there. <laughs> so did they? Did, so just being honest. <laughs> so it was never at a point where you was like they just um, kind of like enforced it on you. Just kind of pretty much, you know, you just wanted to do your own. Thing. I mean, I mean, I used to watch and and you know they would create these wonderfully tasting meals. Right? I'd be like, oh man, that tastes amazing. You know how you do that? And they would just show me. Oh, okay, you gotta do this this way, do this this way, but never do this and this that and the third or whatever. So I just did it and it was just repetition. I mean, I get and I got my favorite meals or whatever, but and I'll venture out to try different things or whatever, man. But once you, for me, to me, I think the the best thing I learned how to make was a sauce, right? Because mm -hmm. that that changes it, right? You can just make pieces of stuff, but when you got a white wine or or a uh, a red wine cream sauce to something, you know what I'm saying? Bam! Now, now that meal went from eight ninety nine to twenty seven ninety nine, you know. Mm -hmm. So now he was he worked in Vegas. Well, are you guys originally from here, or where, where are you guys originally from? So so um, we're originally from Detroit. 
Okay. So my mom got tired of the cold, so she moved us to the opposite end of the spectrum, right? The other extreme, right? right. <laughs> so we, I just grew up there. Yeah, I always say, you know, for me, I, I wanted to, I always say, I want to go visit up north in those places, but never to stay because it's just, I always heard it's just so cold. Man, the winter's ridiculous. Yeah. But or, 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 as, or as they call it, the hawk. What is that culture like up north, though? Is like, far as like, are you guys really big on soul food up north, or is it kind of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you got to remember, you know, uh, as, as, you know, when we were slaves here in the south, people migrated to the north, mm -hmm. right? So everybody has roots. If you go far, far enough, far back enough, everybody's from the south. So mm -hmm. all that southern cooking is definitely alive and well in the north. Absolutely. How did you guys get the name Symphony Chips? Simple, man. My dad believes that every bite should be harmonious. Mm -hmm. So we call it the Symphony. That's a, I love the name. That's very, very interesting. Um, I saw online you said something about in your video. One of the videos you said, you know, kind of building your business, you were looking to have people, I guess, that were smarter than you um, around you to kind of help give you some ideas. And, and I see a lot of entrepreneurs say the same thing. Why, for, why would you say for people that it is so important to them to surround people around them that are not that are smarter than them? Because you like you said, if they say if, if I'm in the if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in, I'm in the wrong room. So would you just talk about that a little bit and say why it's so important to have people around you that are smarter and, and greater at things, that better at certain things than you are? Simple, man. Um, you, can't, you cannot do everything, especially if you're talking about building an enterprise, right? Because mm -hmm. that's why I say there's no such thing as small business, only small minds. Right. So if you, if, you, if you develop a brand, and like, like I use myself as the, as the example here because it's, you know, it's just me. You know, like I'm really good at uh, supply chain management and also business uh, business process automation. I'm great at those things. I suck at marketing. I cannot draw anything to save my life. I draw stick figures, and I'm almost 50 years old. I can't draw to save my life. So the packaging you see was somebody who has the ability to make the package look like what's inside of it. It looks alluring. It looks inviting. And those are things I know I want and need, but I, I know I can't do. So I have to have somebody who's better than that than me, right? Also, not to mention, you know, financial structuring, things of that nature, right? Because my, my thing is, okay, I got to build the business, make the money, but then knowing how to structure it in such a way so I don't get hammered by Uncle Sam or whatever, right. and I can continue to build and grow, I have to have people who know that side as well. Right. So so by by being smart enough to know what you don't know or, or just respecting your limitations. Like, I could learn to draw, right? Somebody could teach me to right. learn how to draw, right? But... I would be really constricted to just what they showed me. I'd never have the creative ability to go mm -hmm. beyond that, right? So there's people who are passionate about things that 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 is that I'm not passionate about. Right. I'm not passionate about you know gra graphic arts, but Likewise, I respect likewise. it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because right. I know how important it is. I'm mm -hmm. not I'm not you know uh, passionate about web design. But I understand it and respect it and how important it is to have a great user experience when people come to your website or even to your IG page or whatever. So I get that part. Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 it's not so much just having people smarter than you, but people who are more passionate about different areas and facets of your business that are really important mm -hmm. to help you grow. And it takes some a lot of the load off of you, like totally. some of those things that totally. you don't have to worry about doing. Delegate. So yeah, you, take delegate. <laughs> you can do this, you can do this. That's, that's actually how it was like. Like you said, for instance, like the graphic design, I know I can't draw anything like my logo, <laughs> uh, business cards. Like I had somebody mm -hmm. design the t-shirt, the t-shirt designs that we have. Mm -hmm. 
I didn't do any of that. I was like, there's no way I can take the time. It would look horrible <laughs> if, if it was up to me. Absolutely. And one of the beautiful things about it, though, is like you said, when people that are passionate about it, you can help them kind of bring a lot of their dreams as well because you, you're giving them something to do that they love doing. It's actually one of my guys that uh, designed for us. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to take the credit for it, but I know, you know, just saying, hey, can you design this and this for me? And then he came back to me asking me questions like, hey, how much do such people charge for these designs? He was picking my brain um, just because I, when I when he would give me my designs mm -hmm. and I would take them to go get made. So he was just picking my brain to know like how much he needed to charge like the other designers. And then he came back to me one day and said, man, I'm thinking about starting my own business. So I was like, man, just do it. Just go ahead and do it. Don't even think about it. Just do it. So I, I, it felt good to know I was helping him kind of, you know, bring about what he wanted to do even more, even though Absolutely. he had it in them all alone. But it felt like I kind of like helped you know, kind of push him towards that direction anyway. But I, I want to ask you also, like, speaking of, like, delegating responsibilities, talk about your children, your two daughters. I know they're not here today, but, like, what are some of the things that they handle throughout the business? Oh, man. So, so. And your father, well, you said your father yeah. does the season, okay. Yeah, he he, he uh, oversees all of the seed seasonings. So every flavor we come out with, he makes sure it's perfect. Mm -hmm. Um and so, well, actually, he 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 he's the lead on it. I I won't say I help. I hate that. Add a little bit of this to it, you know. I got you know, a little bit. Right. To it. Um, but no, my daughters are you know are amazing, and, and this is where I feel like as an entrepreneur um, or just as a father as well, um, it's important to lead by example, and mm -hmm. and that and that and that's hard sometimes, right? Because we, at least I'm from generation that was raised. Now don't do don't do as I do. Do what I say, right? Right. <laughs> yep. And that don't work for these kids these yep. days. Oh, no. <laughs> So, so um, for my daughters, um, Amina and Amari, uh, Amina's 18, Amari's 17, right? So Amina handles all of the account management, right? So when wholesalers come on the side of whatever and they want to, you know, they want a wholesale agreement or they want a wholesale account with us or sell wholesale, she handles all of that. And she also handles our, our film uh, um, or videos or whatever as well. Because she she wants to be a filmmaker, so I'm trying to deter her away from college somewhat, and maybe Kate uh, to take classes or whatever to learn how to use the equipment, learn the software, things of that nature, learn more about her craft, and then from those classes, you know, get around those people who are in that industry. Mm -hmm. Because I look at people like Spike Lee. Okay, I look at other people uh, like what's his name uh, that did uh, Boys in the Hood. All these all these wonderful um, uh, black directors. And uh, even Ava DuVernay, du all these all these black directors and whatever, um, filmmakers who didn't have all these high-ranking college education, but they had the dream and the vision. And I'm just trying to tell her, hey, if you have the dream and the vision, you can do it. Right. You don't have to wait for a degree or somebody to give you the okay. Because you may never get that okay. Right. Somebody, may, somebody, somebody may always feel like you're not good enough. Because right. I know I was never good enough to run a spice company or a potato chip company. I decided I was good enough, so I did it. Right. So then, so then that, that leads me to Amari, my 17-year-old. Amari is, you know, my production manager. So where I love to do supply chain and numbers, that's her as well. So it's very easy to kind of let her kind of run with that side of it. And I'll give you an example. So when uh, we did Good Morning America last year, you know, June, June 18th, 8.45 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's like, remember when your kids was born, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, when these, we have these life-changing moments, man. You remember the date and time. Absolutely. So we were on Good Morning America, and we got 9,000 orders in one day. Mm. And Amari, at 17 years old, high school senior, managed our fulfillment center and our inventory management at 17. That's 
And mo- it takes people to get MBAs and maybe 10 or 15 years experience to do that. Right. She did it at 17. All she needed was the opportunity, and I gave that to her. Right. And she ran with it. And she did an amazing job with it. So I always give, you know, my daughters amazing kudos because, hey, with Amina in the videos, I mean, we're, we're uh, producing some new commercials, and she's shooting the whole thing. Mm. So at, at 18 years old. That's amazing. And so you're looking, you're talking about an international brand because people are buying from us in other countries. So we're an international brand, and at 18 years old, she's shooting commercials for our brand. And that's and that's important, like you said, these they're getting that hands-on experience already. And right. They, and I, I said this in our previous interview. If I'm a kid, um, just think about it. Just like far as from a business perspective, if you want to go run your own business, why not shadow somebody who actually has a business mm-hmm. and and learn from them? Like you say, your children can come up under you, and and like you showing them the ropes already. And I remember I watched an interview with Bob Proctor yesterday, and he was saying. 80% of the people that are teaching us in school, in the school system, they don't even have a business. So it's just like, why, why do we have to go learn from them when they don't have one themselves? So it's kind of like we're working backwards in a sense. So that's what I'm saying. I, for me, I always say for kids that want to have a business or anything like that, go whatever field you, you want to get into, go learn from somebody that's actually doing what you want to do. That way you can learn from them hands-on. Because like you said, even if you go to college, they may not – they may not have that business that, that you can learn from. Or like I, like I was telling you earlier, when you graduate, you might hear lack of experience. So it's one of those things. I, would say. I, I definitely love what you're doing with your children because they get that chance to learn hands-on. 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 Mm-hmm. So they want I, – I would rather teach them how to find security based on your efforts and your results versus a paycheck. Because that's, 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 that's another – that's new age slavery. It is. No, nobody will call it that. You know, we're taught to uh, a a paycheck is security. Mm -hmm. No, that's the wrong S word. It's slavery. It's Mm -hmm. new age slavery because you're confined to just what somebody else believes you are worth. So no matter how how much you try to build up your self-confidence, your self-worth, you see you will always lower that every time you walk into somebody else's job. And Mm -hmm. then they tell you, well, at home you may be this, but here you're 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 this. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's a ceiling on what you can make in your yes. potential, and that's why yes. that, that's that's the part to me. I feel like it's just so damaging because, um, and I always say I, I never knock anybody that works a job because you do have to pay pay bills and. But wait a minute, I got bills to pay too. Right. Just because I'm an entrepreneur, that doesn't mean my bills stop. Right. Exactly. Electric bill come every month. Exactly. <laughs> Water bill come every month. All the time. Gas bill come every month. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just like you know, for me, I just like you know just. Being an entrepreneur is it's a tough journey, but to me it's just so much worth because nobody can tell you like what you're worth. Mm-hmm. Like, it's no ceiling on your potential. Like you can do anything that you put your mind to and you just work at it. But just you know, and you, and you also have that freedom. It's like to me it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I say it all the time. It's just like having to ask somebody, hey, can I be off to go do this or this or that with my family? Now it's like your freedom is in somebody else's hand. And like I was telling you with the gentleman earlier. He gave so much of his life to this company, and then out of nowhere, they just told him, hey, we, here go your severance package, and it's just time to go. Man, I took my first vacation with with, this, with you know work, being an entrepreneur, uh, last month, the end of last month. I took my first vacation. It mm-hmm. felt so good to be able to say, I'm not going to be here, and whatever else is going on just ain't going to happen until I come back. Right. You know how good that felt? <laughs> <laughs> 
versus, hey, boss, is it okay if I take this weekend off? And and or or, or like what used to happen to me is is because um, when I was a, a consultant uh, developing software. It would always come down to, well, Andre, we know you want to take off, but we really need to get this done. You know, we got to get this out, you know, whatever. So, you know, maybe you could take this along with you on your cruise or wherever you're going or whatever, you know. And then, you know, my girl looking at me like, well, really? You know, you're going you gonna to sit in the room and work or whatever? Man. That's even, no vacation. That's, that's not a vacation. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, even though I did have to stop and do some things while I was on vacation, but the whole premise of, hey, I'm not going to be here. And so I can I can hand stuff off to my assistant. Hey, make sure these folks get what they need. That I have my daughters running the other pieces for me. I was able to take a break. Absolutely, and you need that peace of mind. It just yeah. yeah I always say, man, one of the best feelings for for me was when we last year we did our self investment tour and we we went to a few places. We went to Tennessee, we went to Jacksonville, Florida, and of course we we shot some interviews down here, but. For me, it was just a great feeling just knowing we were on the road doing something we love to do and we were able to, to you know, network and then just create opportunities and, and the people that we were meeting. Um, and it was just like one of the best feelings in the world. And one of the ladies, she even took care of us. She was like, hey, I love what y'all are doing. Here, let me sponsor your, your next episode. Different things like that. And it's like you never know, you know, these things wouldn't have happened, you know, had we, I mean, which we still have our jobs to, you know, take care of everything we need to do. But had we not even took that initiative to say, hey, we're going to bet on ourselves and, and start our first tour, none of those things would have even been possible. So that's one of the, my favorite things about entrepreneurship is just the limitless opportunities that you can have and um, something that a job can't provide for you. Sure, sure. And then, and then you know, the word entrepreneurship or the entrepreneur, you know, I look at it, you know, kind of loosely because, you know, we're business owners. We mm-hmm. own businesses. We own enterprises. Right. You know, I, I think I think think of it like this way. The only thing that's different between me and a major corporation is just the amount of money. You know, I, I run I run payroll, so I, I I look at it like like this. It's like you you have a hobby when you have a side hustle, right? The minute the minute you can pay yourself from your job, now you have a business. Mm-hmm. You go from business to corporation. Well, I think when you start running payroll, when you are paying corporate taxes, you have a corporation. Oh yeah. So there's nothing separating you. So let's look at our vernacular because. You're a business owner. You own the business, Absolutely. right? So some people, well, you're you're an entrepreneur. That's like you're the only person in the business. Well, that ain't true, because you know, I, like I have an assistant. I have my daughters. I have my dad. So there's, and then I outsource so much. Mm-hmm. And because of the volume of business we do, I employ people in other for, in other businesses. They're able yeah. to pay their people off of the business that I get. So I look at them as I'm funding other people's jobs mm-hmm. in other states. So it's, this is an enterprise. So I don't let anybody call me a small business. I'm like, whatever. Because another thing that, that I don't like about the vernacular is that there's nothing between small business and established business, right? So, so that means that there's, nothing, there's no difference between me. So calling me a small business means I'm the same as the guy or girl who's on the corner selling cigarettes. So there's no difference because I'm a small business too, right? No, absolutely not. Keep your vernacular, okay? Right. I'm, I'm an emerging brand. Right when I become a household name, sure I, I wear established, but I'm bigger than small. Right, I'm emerging. Right. So I would say you be emerging also. Yes, and, and it's like it's power in in your words. It we, is. We talked about that recently in one of our interviews, and and I, I may also made the point. You know, I, I try my best not to say small business owner because it's like I always say it's it's nothing small about running a business because a lot of times you have other people's livelihood or in your hands. You have to make these tough decisions. 
So it's like it's nothing small about that. It's, it's so tough, and I think that kind of steers a lot of people away from going that route because when you when you work for someone else, they make the decisions, they make those tough calls, and you don't have to worry about it. You just have to go in and just do your job, and then you go home. But when you when you run your own business, like all those tough decisions um, are up to you. You can't blame it on anybody else. It's all up to you. So. But it, it's a it's a blessing though because it, it just teaches you things and you learn more about yourself mm-hmm. when you have to. You are up, in your decisions. own way all the time. All you the have way. to be better today than you were yesterday. That's that's the constant challenge. And I look at it as every day make a decision that scares you. Mm-hmm. So for yeah. me, that's 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 my goal every day is hey make a decision and do something that scares you, which is constantly keeping me out of a comfort zone mm-hmm. and, and then really when you when you look back on those decisions that you had to make a lot of times you were like man that really wasn't that bad as i thought it was gonna be it's not as scary as i thought it would be and i'm like he's like man i'm still here to talk about it so it really wasn't that bad and but you know like i said i would definitely encourage people you know to always bet on yourself. Um, we we got to this point just by betting on ourselves. Um, Absolutely. Um, everything is going to be perfect. You gonna you gonna learn a lot of lessons. Um, everything is not going to be perfect. Is subjective, Carlos. You That's perfect true. right now. You we doing this interview perfectly. The mics are set up. We right. got cameras <laughs> here. You know, it looked right. perfect to me. Right. That's subjective. That, that, absolutely true. But but you know, a lot of times for me, I'm always I'm, I'm always gonna be my toughest critic. Absolutely. I, I'll go back. Sure. Watch my interviews. I'm like, man, I should have asked this question. I shouldn't have said this. Or I said, I'll be like, why did I sound like this when I asked this question? Or the videos, when I'm doing the editing and everything. Like, I'm always tough on tough on myself than anybody else. Because I'm just like, man, I'm just I'm like, man, I wish I would have just did this or doing that different. But it's, it's just all a part of, of the process. Sure. I'm about learning and growing. But, you know. I love it though. So I, I wouldn't trade it for anything, you know, just um betting on myself and investing absolutely. myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you are the best investment every time. Absolutely. I, I wanna ask you something else, like you were saying, we're gonna talk a little bit about education in this part right here. Sure. Um, like you were saying that you were kinda not discouraging your children, not telling them not to go to college, but you say you wanted them to learn are they are they still leaning towards that way or do you think they wanna kinda continue running the family business and, and doing what they're doing now? And with the videography. So, so, because because me because me and their mother are very on very opposite sides of the fence on this one because mm-hmm. I'm an entrepreneur. Their mother is you know not a nine to five. You know, and so mm-hmm. I, I feel like you know, hey, that's what you want to do. That's fine. You know, to your point, you know, you know, not people who follow their own path. Okay, right. cool. We just disagree. So my goal is to be able to generate enough revenue where I can pay them enough money to pay for their own schooling. So it's not me just daddy writing a check for it. They just go to school and do whatever. But I feel like they're smart enough to, if they if the money comes out of their own pocket, they'll start asking them questions themselves. Well, mm-hmm. why do I have to wait two and a half years to get to this class? I need this class right now because I'm doing this over here for my family business. So it would be great if I could do this right now. Well, no, you have to wait so-and-so. Well, I don't want to pay. Because my kids are real good at that. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, how old is your, 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 your son you mentioned? My, he's six. Okay, well. My son is six. What you will see when he starts spending his own money, oh, everything changes. Right. You know, because, you know, mm-hmm. when, when they're spending our money, oh, I'll take the, I want a combo, you know, uh, with, with the, the large fries and the da-da-da-da, yep. you know. You see Batman on TV, I want Batman. I, yeah. I just bought you one yesterday. Yeah, no, no, I want that one yeah. well, I want with, with the lights on it, yep. you know. But when it's their money, well, you know, I don't have to have, a, I don't have, to have number one, because I have the four for four, you know. Right. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. 
So so that's one of my goals is to get them is to get the the revenue to a place where I can pay them enough money to pay for their own schooling. So they like I said they can make those decisions. But more importantly, I'm trying to show them, hey, if you own the business, like for example, uh, my youngest daughter wants to be a I, I always say it wrong, psychiatrist or psychologist. She's like a psychologist. Um, and I said, well, hey, baby, do you just want to help a few people or do you want to help a, a large-scale number of people? I want to help people on a larger scale. I said, okay, well, cool. Why not own the business? You do, you do not have to be a licensed psychiatrist or psychologist to own the business. You can own the building. Mm, that's, that's true. And all you got to do is connect the dots, bring people in that need, that need the help, create programs to bring other college kids in or whatever, like a residency program, or whatever. You can do all those things without any degree because there's people doing that right now who have no experience mm -hmm. to your point earlier, no experience, right? But they own the business mm -hmm. so they can do that. And when my daughter, who's the film student, she said, well, hey, dad, going to school puts me around people who are in the industry, whatever. I said, well, those are people that are wanting to be in the industry. The people mm -hmm. who are in the industry are out there doing it. So if you start going to these shoots or just getting around people who are doing shoots or whatever right now, because Atlanta is the, the the next Hollywood. Hey, you got Tyler Perry Studios right here, yep. the largest movie set in the world, right? If I'm, if I'm not I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. larger than Paramount in Hollywood, larger than Disney. Yeah, he, I've he, heard it's <laughs> phenomenal. Man, if you get a chance to drive by it. I would say just you can't get on the lot unless you got a, a pass or whatever. Right. But you can drive by it and see its majesty. Cause it is, he did a great job with that, man. Um, but yeah, that's what I, that's why I tell them is, hey, if you own the business, then you can do whatever you want to do, and no one can tell you you don't have enough experience or you're not ready. Just go do it. And see, that's a different mindset because they don't teach us that way oh, in school. Oh God, to, no. To own own the business, we we have to go work for them. Yeah, that's go work for somebody for a little like while. That. You know, go work in that field for a little while, see if you like it or whatever. Then you make that decision later on down the road. Mm -hmm. Well, well, let's look at what down the road means. That's four years of some undergrad degree, and then maybe another six to maybe ten years of experience in that field. So that's fourteen years of your life pick up chunked away. You know, before. You maybe might do it, but then you're so used to that paycheck that now it's like, oh man, do I want to take this risk? Is this, is this, oh man, I don't know. Because what they didn't teach you while you were getting that experience is what does the real money look like? Show me what you're actually bringing into this company and what you're paying people. Teach me that part. Well, nobody shows you that. No, you can go in there and work alongside Bob and, 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 and Susan. But you can't come over here in the executive suite and see what and see how the money's made and how we're divvying up amongst ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, eighty percent of the money going in our pockets, and we let y'all fight for the other twenty. You know, they don't they don't show you that oh, part. No. So that's why I'm trying to teach them now. Is like, hey, um, you know, like like my like uh, my daughter who wants to, who wants to um, own her own practice is like, hey, if you own the building, then you can put all the all the counselors in there you want. It's a game changer. And they'll. You know, you just put them on payroll. You know, mm -hmm. you know, I run payroll right now. I'm not an accountant. I have a, I have an application that, hey, I just tell put people's salaries in there, and it shows me what I need to put in the bank account to cover it. Right. That's real simple. I can do that. It's easy right. math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I try to teach them things like like that about ownership and how it changes everything when you own it. You can steer the direction of it. So, yeah. When, when would you say for you, you began to get that? Um this entrepreneurial business perspective, like like you were just saying, like instead of just working for them, you can own the building. When when did you say you kind of like figured out, hey, 
this is I can make real money. This is a real business. Let me own it instead of working for somebody else. Man, I took I took the long way around. I, at least I say, I'm, you know, you say you 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 you're always your worst critic, right? right. <laughs> so so I started, you know, working nine to five, and then I worked next to somebody who was a who was a software consultant, and he let it slip. Well, me and him talk a little while. He let it slip out how much money he made. I was like, well, down. I'm making fifty thousand a year. You're making fifty dollars an hour. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We we sitting right next to each other, and uh, I and I don't think you're smarter than I am. He said, probably not, but this is what I'm getting paid. I was like, whoa. Mm. So I said, well, let me start my own software business, and I can I can get contracts or whatever, and I can make the same thing. And I did that, and I was and I saw that. But the difference is, I was still I was a consultant, but I was still working in corporate America. I was working. I didn't have people working for me. Right. So that was that was the problem. So when I when we got when I got the chip business to a place where it needed more of my attention, then I had to hang up my software um, building uh, hat or whatever, um, because um, I was working for a, another black owned business, and I was like the last thing I want to do is hurt another black owned company. Right. So I just wasn't giving it the time it needed. They're like, well, you supposed to be on this call. I'll be missing calls, missing meetings. Right. Cause I'm I'm doing stuff for for, for Symphony Chips. I said, you know what? I'm gonna back out of this. Before this guy takes, you know, an L for his business because I'm unreliable right now. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? I was in on the high note, like Jordan. You know, I want to go right. out. My knees ain't bad, right. you know. <laughs> so hang my jersey up, you know. So that's what I did. And so, um, you know, I got in, I got into this full time. And let me tell you something: when you're in it full time and you see people with side hustles, it kind of it kind of annoys me somewhat when they want to do business with me because I'm like, you're not in this all the way. Because right. when you in it all the way, you pay attention to every little detail. I got mm-hmm. people who send me stuff about, you know, about, you know, how, how to pay them and that information is wrong. And I'm like, well, you got to fix this or whatever. Oh, OK, I'll get to it. Oh, I didn't see it. I wasn't paying attention to it. Oh, you weren't paying attention. Well, you're not really in this business, are you? Because how you get paid is number one. You don't right. ever get your account number wrong. My account number memorized. You know what I'm saying? Like my social security number. You know what I'm saying? So but it's, it's just a difference when you have a side hustle because you end up hustling people. On the side is how I work out. Mm-hmm. And when you own, you get in the business, you fully take that red pill or you finally cross over to the other side. Now you start getting into, okay, I need to, I need to make sure my business is of, of a higher standard. Because mm-hmm. there's so many businesses out here, man, that I, I, I work with, which are Fortune 500 companies that are trifling. Mm-hmm. I mean, and trifling is maybe you want to call it a black word or whatever, but it has no bounds. Oh, my God. I mean, people treat you any kind of way, and it's like, hold on, I'm paying you, and you act like this way towards me. I said, that's perfectly fine. Guess what? I can go someplace else. Because you start looking at these businesses differently. When you have your own, now these are just people who either want my money or can offer a service I need, and if it's not at the quality or level I want, I ain't got to go with you. There's nothing telling me I have to do business with you. Mm -hmm. Nothing. And I enjoy that. And and like I said, you you get firsthand experience of see how these companies or these corporations treat people on a Ooh. daily basis. I, and I know that can be, can be brutal. Because I, I, I honestly felt like a lot of major corporations, um, like even last year when, when with the social injustice with George Floyd and everything, Absolutely. I always felt like a lot of them weren't really genuine about it anyway. I just felt like they were putting out those statements just because it was like the right thing to do. And then, you know, over time, they would just hold, okay, people are going to forget about it. Let's move on. And you know to the next news money. cycle, you know. Yep, but but it's like you said, it's you get a chance to work with these companies like on a first hand basis, and you know like see how they treat their people, 
Um, and it's just like, you know, not to treat people this way, which should be common sense anyway. But, you know, a lot of times these companies, you know, kind of like take us for granted and they just do. Oh, yeah. That, you know, for, for a lot of a lot of um, uh, companies, they feel like their people are expendable. That's mm-hmm. that's 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 the mindset. And with within my organization, I I make it I make it a conscious effort to practice synergy. So everybody knows how they play into the larger picture. You understand not only your piece, but how your piece affects everything else over here. Right. So that way you can see what's happening, you know, from a coach's perspective versus just, you know, a player on the field. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's 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 how I, I, I operate. So that way when I have like one of my vendors, you know, the spice company says, Well, we're running late, but you understand that when you when you're late, then my co packer's late. Oh, you have a co Yes, I do. Do you not know Symphony Chips? Do you not right. see the website? You know, this is what this is what it plays into. And then they start getting on board. See, the more the more you are transparent about what it is you're doing with people, I, people get you get their buy-in and they're more willing to help you. Or you learn very quickly who's not willing to help you. Mm-hmm. And then you don't want to do business with people who not who are not on your side and want to support you. Because in the end, yes, we all make money, but more importantly, what are we doing for each other? How are we building up our communities and our, and when I say communities, more like um, the, um, the um, infrastructure inside of their, of their uh, companies or whatever. And all that plays a part. Because I work with people who are not the decision makers in some companies that get stuff done or whatever, and they're always happy to talk to me or whatever. Because I let them know, hey, this is what we're doing. This is, this is, this is, you know, when you spend this time in the lab to help me develop this flavor or whatever, this is what it turns into. Like, oh, wow, I didn't know that it had that large of an effect. Absolutely. So when you're late, all these people are waiting for this product. I'm going to give you your number next time. Right. <laughs> did, did, you, did, did you ever feel like, to a, a certain degree, like you may get a little bit of pushback or have a hard time with certain aspects of your business because it's a black-owned business? Man, I'm glad you asked me that question, Carlos. That is such a pivotal, pivotal question. I always make the statement that we're unapologetically black, not black owned. I think there's a difference. Um, when you say you're black owned, it kind of pigeonholes you into, hey, I have a black owned product. You, you should support it because it's black owned. You and I both know. A lot of black people have products that are just are trifling. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. It's just like, nah, man. man, come on, man, because it's black owned. You're supposed to do so and so. I say, no, man. I work hard for my money just like you do, and I want quality. Mm-hmm. You know, I want luxury. I want opulence. And what you're giving me is something crazy. That's not that's right. that's that's not what I want. Um, for me, the one of the biggest hurdles is capital. Nobody wants to give you money. That's that's especially when you're growing, right? And it's like it's like, well, hey, well, you know, well, if 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 we can, you know, you know, figure out, you know, what your cash flow is or whatever. Well, my cash flow. Sometimes I literally take money from this person. And hand it right to this person just so we can keep going. <laughs> it crosses through my bank account. Right. It's like watching airplanes go by. It's big. By. Them checks be big. And I just watch them fly right on by. You know, like, I can't. I can't get to them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's how it happens. They're like, well, that's not very good cash flow management. But I'm growing. So yeah. if I, if I like, for example, we're in a in a phase right now where we're getting ready to launch our spice line. So I gotta. I got to pay for development of the, the bottles, the labels. Our stuff costs money, right? Mm-hmm. And then it has, it has to be in a, in a, in a nice-looking package that represents our brand. Our stuff costs money. Right. So they say, well, that's, I don't know. Those are good decisions. I'm like, well, those are great decisions. If I want to make some more money, mm-hmm. I have to I have my packaging has to look a certain way. So, you know, banks or whatever, like, well, we, we can't touch you because, you know, you're, you're just not, you're not uh, bankable. You're not a good banking customer. And how's your credit? My credit. 
You mean what I had to leverage to get here? Right. Yeah, when y'all yeah. told me no, so I had to max out this MasterCard and right. max out this American Express or max out this uh, this Visa card? Absolutely. Well, that's, that's not very smart. Of course it is because now I'm here. Mm-hmm. When you Remember, you told me no, so I found a way to make it happen. Exactly. And I, I can't tell you how many times um, we've had a lot of entrepreneurs come on. And I remember Dr. Keisha Hallman, she definitely said, you know, for a lot of black-owned businesses, just that lack of capital, getting the access to that capital. The two ladies we had on in Jacksonville, Miss Kimberly Walker and Jasmine Brown, they they bought a, a BP gas station down there. And they tried to not to tell the bank that they were black because they felt like if they did, they were going to get even more pushback. But they were able to close the deal. But for as long as they could hold it off, they didn't tell them that they were black just simply because they know. And they, and they even said sometimes even when you're black, you might get a different interest rate than with other people. So it's like, man, it's, it's a crazy game in these loopholes that we have to go through as a black business um, to to survive and get the capital that we need. And it's just like it's it's unfortunate that it is like that for us. I mean, it's like it's like, you know, cause I, I had the, the foresight um, in, in even naming my children. You know, my children all have black, I'm sorry, black, but African names, mm-hmm. you know, Ampith, Amin and Amari. Um, you know, all of them have African meanings, but their middle names are all European. Just in case they couldn't get, if, if, if the empire didn't take off, right, they had to be able to get jobs. Mm-hmm. And Ampeth is very hard to, to hire. But William can get a job. You know, Elizabeth can get a job and Christina can get a job. Mm-hmm. Christina Anderson can get a job. Because she, you won't know she's black till she show up. And by, right. by that time, it's too late. <laughs> but no, I mean, you're right. Um, access to capital is a big deal. Um, and there's a lot of p- p- people who are talking about, well, we have to, change the way we do business because, you know, for, for black people or what have you. Because, you know, I, there's this one bank out there, Chase. I'll just call them out. I actually, I actually bank with them. They have this thing called Black Pathways they're putting out. And they they talk about, well, we want to restructure how we do things. I remember being on a call with them one time. And they, they opened up for questions. I said, well, hey, how are you changing your collateral requirements in order to allow uh, uh, less or, or less restrictive collateral requirements in order to lend to black-owned businesses. So, because I used to be, I used to work in banking, so I understand how the underwriting mindset a little bit. So I was, I asked that very poignant question. Oh, baby, you saw the way they danced around that question. Yeah. Well, oh, well, you know, we're we're making strides, you know, in that in that direction, and, and all that all that double talk. But really, what it boils down to is when you're growing. Let's say you you know you, you get a PO for maybe like ten or fifteen grand. That's not a large. That's not a lot of money. That's not a lot of a lot of money. Most most banks won't lend you money on that. Right. They say, well, you got at least fifty grand. I'm like, well, what do I do in the meantime? Well, you got work to get to fifty. Well, I need I need this fifteen to get to the fifty. Right. Last time I checked, fifteen came before fifty. Exactly. My math. <laughs> that's how I do math. You know, I'm just exactly. I'm just you know. They were like, well, sorry, you know, we wish we could help you, but no, we can't. We can't or whatever. So I think fi- finances is a is a big issue. I know there's a lot of um, black, um, you know, um, equity firms out there or investment companies that are working to change that. But you know, a lot of times when you're not doing numbers that are fifty or hundred grand, a lot of times people don't want to talk to you. They mm-hmm. feel like, well, you're too small. Well, I only get big. Remember, little numbers come before big numbers. Exactly. So I don't know anybody unless you were famous first. You just walk in and people throw a hundred thousand dollar contract at you, which does mm-hmm. happen, but most time it doesn't. Or I don't have a rich uncle to say, hey, I got you. You know, until you get there, here's you know eighty grand to start your business, or here's eight million to start your right. business. So you ain't got to worry about that. That don't happen on our side of the fence. Exactly. That's so 
I, I sometimes I wonder, um, and you maybe speak on this. Well, do you think if we, um, because I, I know Killer Mike, he's um started with the banking black. I wonder, will we be able to get the capital we need if we bank black, or would it still kind of be the same loophole, or is it even tougher? Man, 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 man. So I took that plunge. I took the I'm a bank black plunge. Yeah, let's go mm-hmm. do it. I guess I won't call them out because they're black on bank, but right. <laughs> I did it. I did it, and it was a very hurtful and you know it was it was a very humbling experience. Not humbling. It was hurtful because I expected better, right? And um, and by better I mean like for example the the um the bank I'm with now to get a, a debit card when I open up an account it just you know I go in there open up the account and it comes in the mail I'm done, um or I can even open it online mm-hmm. debit card comes in the mail this particular bank. I had to walk into the branch and fill out a debit card application, hand fill out. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? This is 2020. Now, who, who does that? I said, this is 20th century. What, are you kidding me? And they were like, well, and then when I wanted to send a wire, I was like, hey, I was, I was on, online. I needed to send a wire. You know, I, I, but I didn't see the option. They go, oh, no, you have to come into the branch to do that. I, I, I got to drive all the way downtown mm-hmm. to come into the branch to wire money? I said, what? I said, are you kidding me? Nobody does that. Well, that's how we do it. I'm like, okay. Let me pull my money out because maybe we're not ready for each other yet. Right. And and that's that, that's unfortunate. Um, that that is like that. But um, I think I think I, I don't know the, the the black banking industry or what's happening now. I know that there's I know there's third party companies involved that allow for certain things to happen. Um, but if you don't have a certain I guess revenue with those third party companies that allow for online banking or whatever, then you can't do those certain things. And maybe it just takes them getting to that getting to that point. But until they get to that point, I mean, I can't invest my money in there because I have I, I I'm this we're in a global economy. If mm-hmm. if I if I'm all the way, let's say in Japan doing business, and I need a debit card or I need to wire them money, for example, I'm not about to fly no, all the way to Atlanta to fill yeah. out a, a, a application just because you decided that that's how you want to do business. Right. I need somebody who does business on the level that I'm at. Right. And I and I would hope that wouldn't be the occasion for every. Black owned, black owned bank. I, I hope not. not the one not. I had access to here, I was like, yeah, yeah. Because I was like, man, we got a long way to go. If, if that's the case for all of our banks, which I'm, I'm hoping it's not. I, I'm hoping it's not either. Yeah. Maybe I just went to the wrong. I was, mm-hmm. I went to the, I went to the right black bank a little too early. How about right. that? Hopefully they, they're gonna come around. <laughs> They'll see this video, man. I know who he's talking about. I know exactly who he's talking <laughs> about. They're gonna be like, yeah, we, 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 we gonna, we gonna figure that out. You had a um. I saw in your video you you had a point where you um you said something about you had to overcome guilt about not becoming a electrical engineer. It was one portion of your video. Do you still kind of have that guilt of not becoming an electrical engineer or? Um. Well, it's like it's it's like we said earlier. You you know you're you're your own worst worst critic, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, for me it was it was a hardship because you know I'm supposed to be an electrical engineer, right? That's what I went to school for. I was all excited, right? I even had a, I even had an offer from Motorola and one on one, another offer from IBM. So I was like, okay, great. Cause I'm, I was I was gonna build semiconductors or whatever. I was you know the the, the chips that, that go into your cell phones. I was I was going to design and build those. I was oh, I was happy, right? I had my life all planned out. But it just so happens I graduated December 2001. You know why? Exactly. Yeah. Right after 9/11. And if and if you if you follow technology around 2000, when the dot com bubble burst, people were you know basically es- excavating their uh, their IT departments entirely. 
It was crazy. So Motorola went under. IBM took a hit. So those offers where they said, well, you know this offer we gonna give you? We're gonna pull that back. And so I basically had to reinvent myself. So did I have some hardship about not going into the semiconductor field? I did. But at that time, man, I had my my wife had just had our, our second child. So and then she was pregnant again. So it was like, okay, well, I gotta do something. I can't just sit here and wait for them to reoffer me that, that same job that went away. I had to reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. So I reinvented myself into technology. I'm sorry, into uh, into uh, writing code. And just so happens, building hardware and writing code were very similar. So I was like, oh, okay, this isn't so far-fetched. So I did it. I taught myself, reinvented myself, and I was able to land a job um, as a junior developer at the time. And I just I just soared from there, man, mm-hmm. from junior developer to software architect. You know, I'm kind of telling my age a little bit. I remember 9-11. I still remember where I was. I was in the fourth grade, and I was in Miss Bishop's class. And, like, I remember when I, I'll we, tell you my story. Go ahead. I would hear yours. Go ahead. When we went into the class, I really didn't understand what was going on. I just remember seeing, like, a plane flying into a building. It was collapsing. And then when I went home, um, it was still on the news everywhere. But I was just – I didn't really know how serious that it was at the time because I was uh, 10 years old and, and just sitting in class that morning. They turned it on. And, like, man, this, it was crazy. But – I was like, that's, that's like, dang, it's crazy that it's been what this would be twenty years since that time, man. Time just flying by, but yeah. man, it was. I was at Georgia Tech at a career fair, of all places, right? The first plane hit, and I was talking to, uh, you know, now if you ever been to career fair at Georgia Tech, every technology company, all Fortune one hundred to maybe one thousand are there. You know what I'm saying? They're looking for Georgia Tech students, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the cool part about about going to Georgia Tech and just being the hustler I am is that most of those kids they are privileged, you know, they feel like they're entitled. They ain't trying to, you know, even dress right or whatever. Mm-hmm. They 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 talk to people like whatever. I don't I don't your company is what are you Fortune five hundred? Oh, you're too small. You know, it's, it's that kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. But me, I'm like, yeah, who are you? Absolutely. Here's my resume. Did it right. right? And then when the first plane hit, a lot of people just huddled around the TVs leaving the recruiters wide open. So, baby, I was just like, hey. <laughs> right on in. I'm dealing resumes like cars, boy. Yeah. So, and so, um, and then when the second plane hit was when, was when everybody, when they started break, breaking up the, uh, the event because they figured that they don't know who they were going to hit next, right? So, I, I remember that, man. And, and, you know, I was just, like I said, I was a senior in college. So, you know, I'm thinking, that, you know, it's going to be all right. But it, that was just, it was just, it was just, you know, it was my time to transform from what I thought I was going to be into what I, what I, what I became for, uh, for a while. I learned a lot from all the companies I worked for and worked with. And then it got me here to a place where, man, I'm glad I got the, the IT experience because, you know, we're, we're, we're working my spreadsheets or whatever. Man, it's, it's, I'm a master. It's, it's, like, it's like child's play. What would you say was the biggest thing that you took away from all of those jobs? Because I always say, even if you work somewhere and you you can hate your job, but it's always a lesson in something. That you, it's always a lesson that you can take away from whatever it is you, that you're doing. What would you say is like that biggest lesson or something that you learned from, from the jobs you had in the past? Man, um, what was the biggest lesson that, or the biggest takeaway for me? Um, I would say it was, it was two things. One of them was um, 
when in technology, you have to continuously learn. Mm-hmm. You can you can never stop learning. And it's like if you want to be marketable, you have to be up to up on the latest and greatest thing. So it taught me to continue to learn. That learning doesn't stop. So I'm reading books, you know, to continue to better myself. Like uh, like uh, Doctor. Um, yeah, he's gonna be mad at me because I'm forgetting his name. Uh, Doctor Kimbrough. Dennis Kimbrough. Dennis Kimbrough. Oh, I got the, one the wealth choice. I have um, the daily motivations of African African American success. Love it. Love okay, it. well, I have his book, The Wealth Choice. And it's, it's, it's about um, black millionaires and how they grew their businesses and the things that they had to go through. Um, and that that one and another another one by Dale um, Dale Car- Carnegie, Dale I think Carnegie. is his name. Yeah, he um, he has a book called um, um, How How to How to Win Friends and Influence People. Great I book. This, I heard it's a great. Yeah. It's a great book because it changes how you deal with people, man. I mean, it changes my negotiating or whatever because I don't have to go in there. Well, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do this. No, we start talking about kids and things like that, and you know, getting people to say yes and things like right. that or whatever. Then you get them on that path, or whatever. Then you can get whatever you want. It's right. like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I like this. I like this approach so much better. And then the the other thing I learned was what support looks like, and this this I think is key in relationships because. When you're, when you're an entrepreneur and you continuously need to grow yourself, your needs or requirements from a, a partner, as far as support goes or support system goes, changes. Because, as you know, there are some super highs, right? But there's also some super lows, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, but you need somebody that's flexible or there's a group of people around you that's flexible with you. I even had to change some of the friends I hung around because they were all nine to fivers. You know, they didn't get the fact that I'm, you know, what I was doing, they understand my plight or whatever. So I said, I need people around me who are entrepreneurs who understand what's going on. So we can have these conversations and we can, you know, high five and, you know, have beers or whatever when we do great or whatever. And when it's not so great, people who have been there through the same period that I'm going through and can talk me through and out of that stuff. Because, I mean, because mm-hmm. it's a lot of self, self-evaluation all the time. All the time, you're always reevaluating yourself. You're, you're evaluating, why do I have resistance to this? What in me is forcing me to struggle with this concept? And you have to get out of your own way, which means, hey, I have to process whatever I pushed down as, as a child or as a young adult or whatever. Whatever I went through that I pushed down that I can't get through to get to this next step, I have to process and release so I can go further in my life. Absolutely. And it's, it's interesting that you said that I have, we have a lot of entrepreneurs to say about, you know, the journey of entrepreneur, entrepreneurship. It can be lonely. Um, you might have to isolate yourself and then, like, changing your circle of friends. I'll never forget um, Ben Howell told us. He, he made a great point. He said, you know, if, if, you, if you're trying to run a business and all your friends around you, all they do is work a nine-to-five and all they talk about is just going, getting overtime and getting a check, getting a check, running up a check. He said, "That's that's all that's going. That's all that's going to surround them. That's all that they're going to see. Just you know, working with somebody else." He said, "Sometimes you have to. Of course, they're still going to be your friends. You're going to love them regardless. But you have to put yourself in those spaces with entrepreneurs. That way, you can learn from them. Because if not, then you you may fall into that same cycle, or, or you won't get the things that you need to, to absolutely, keep man. Iron sharpens iron. That's what mm-hmm. this. That's that's the words, man. Iron sharpens iron. And that other phrase, you know." Excellence cannot exist where mediocrity persists. Mm, that's true. So, so you got people around you that just, you know, as you you talked about, you know, I'm looking at this overtime, I'm gonna, so I can get this, I can get this bit of money, or whatever, or I can't wait till I get off work, you know, on Thursday I do such and such, such and such, 
you know, they have that mindset that's just that's that, that mediocre mindset. I do just enough to get by. Mm-hmm. You'll never have excellence. You'll never right. experience, you know, the greater the greatest successes in life, which are being around other people that also think around the same way. Because if you think about mediocrity all the time, notice who you hang around. Just mm-hmm. look around you. Them, them, right. them people think the same way. Then you'll never get to that next level unless you have somebody to to inspire you. So, so, and, and I look at it and I always, I argue with my, my daughter sometimes about the word respect. Oh, they being disrespectful. Da, da, da. I said, do you know what that word means? You know, respect in, in the dictionary is somebody who you admire. Okay. And well, what have you done to earn my admiration? Mm. So you see, I'm being disrespectful. What about you? Should I, should I be admiring? Let's start there. That's a different conversation. True. So, so I, I look at having people around me that I admire who are, you know, multimillionaires who are, you know, four or five steps ahead of me. I'm like, okay, great. I want to be there too. Here's the things I'm going through. And it's great conversations. And some of them laugh me like, okay, I remember, I remember going through that. This is what you got to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, but it's great to have those conversations with those people who are on that side of the fence with you. Mm-hmm. You know, versus the people, oh, you know, you got to save your money. You know, you save, you know, 40 years at some point. That's you'll... how we talk. But, but again, if you, if you want to get to another level, or, or as that old saying is, in order to discover new worlds, you can't be afraid to lose sight of the shore. Mm. So sometimes you got to leave those people behind That's and move true. forward. And it's lonely to you get to that, that next group of, that next school of fish, right? It's lonely. Yeah, it's true. You by yourself, you know, okay, mm-hmm. I can't, I ain't going out nowhere. I ain't doing these other things. I ain't hanging out, whatever. But then when you skip with this other school of fish or there's other people that are on that level you want to be at, that's a whole different kind of fun, man. You know, when people are buying out, Restaurants, just so they can hang out. People, you know, closing down, you know, areas so they can just hang out. That's, big. that's a whole nother that's, level. And that's, and it's, it's, it's not just about hanging out, but it's like, hey, I choose who I want to be around. So if I don't want anybody else here, I can close it all down so it's just us. Mm-hmm. That's, that's different. That's, that's a different kind of talk right there. But, you, but you know, for me, I always say, man, I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of like, uh, I call myself weird. I don't care. I'm just... Uh, kind of somewhat of a traveler. Like, for me, I just don't like doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. Absolutely not. I hate doing it. Like, you see with people, um, of course, everybody's going to take their vacation. I like to have a getaway and have a good time and everything. But it's just certain stuff that I see people doing. I'm like, man, I, I don't like doing the same kind of stuff. Like, let mm-hmm. me do something different. Like, let me create my own. And let me, of course, I want to inspire people. Even even to a prime example, is like I see people all the time on social media say, hey, What's a good show show to watch? What would you recommend I watch? Like for me, I really can't tell you what to watch because I'm at a point now where I don't really watch a lot of TV shows. Um, most of the time, I'm pretty much watching interviews. Like I watch a guy like Ed Milet or Patrick Beck David or, or we were talking about Bob Proctor earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I pay attention more to like watching interviews of entrepreneurs who are doing something that I want to do and study the craft instead of just sitting down and watching a TV show of spending hours because I feel like I'm just wasting time. I'm not, it's, it's entertainment, but are you getting gaining anything out of it? Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm, I just got to a point like, man, I just hate doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. I just man, to- I can't agree with you more, man. Um, there's a, uh, on YouTube, there's this, there's this, uh, there's these videos called Billionaire Lifestyle. So I like, I like watching that because, you know, it's like, okay, like for example, I didn't know you can Airbnb a yacht. Mm. I didn't know you could do that. So, you know, while people Airbnb in houses, you know, you, instead of staying in a hotel, you can just uh, Airbnb in a house, whatever. You Airbnb in a yacht. And you get the whole staff that comes with the yacht. Mm. 
So that, that's something different. Yeah. Not everybody's doing that. Right. And I'm like, I was like, I kind of blew my mind. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't have to have a billion dollars to get a yacht. I can charter one. And, and the same thing with planes. Like, for example, I had a, I had a goal, and I'm still going to go back and, 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 and finish this, but I want to get my pilot license because I found out that you can rent planes the same way you rent cars. That's crazy, isn't it? But it's, right. but, it's, but it's just it's just the stuff that you know. To your point, not doing the same things that everybody else does. But sometimes you have to you have to see it's what you expose yourself to. Mm-hmm. So I like surfing. I love YouTube, man. Now, YouTube is great now. So it's like I didn't know that it's, you man, know. It's like the best teacher, YouTube University. <laughs> Anything you need is. Just put it in YouTube. You yeah, because Pete, because people will just turn on their cameras and whatever they're doing is like there it is, mm-hmm. and they're the star, and it's something that you've never done before, never thought about doing, and it's like oh my god, I know that was impossible. Oh, I never thought about that. It'd be on that level. And one thing I, I teach, I teach my kids as well, and I got from from Bob Proctor and watching the, the movie The Secret. You know, they t- talk about you know if you if you have this goal to, of getting a car, go test drive it, meaning hey. Go if you have this goal of getting some something, go find out everything about it because you might be closer than you think you really are. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, because you know, because until I saw that YouTube video about ch- about chartering or Airbnb and a yacht, I thought I had to have a billion dollars. This is the only way I'm gonna get the yacht I want because the ones that are 10 million or whatever, you know, those don't plan platoon boats. I don't want that, I want the yacht, you know, right. I want I want the uh, the chef, you know, and the white glove service, you know, I want all that. But until I saw that, I did not know, hey, I'm closer than I thought I was. Mm-hmm. And it's like, gosh, so my dreams are closer than I believe they are, or that I thought they were. But it takes you getting into it and, and just finding out more about it. Anything you want to do. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one of uh, a life-changing experience for me also. Um, Absolutely. The gentleman who, who's not here with us, Marcus Burnett, who allowed us to use this building. Thank you, Marcus. Shout out to Mar- Mar- Marcus Burnett. Appreciate you, sir. Yeah. Wait, isn't that the same dude from uh, uh, Bad Boys, Marcus Burnett? Mar- <laughs> <laughs> you a bad boy, Marcus. You a bad boy. Yeah. But, but Marcus, I remember um, when I was right before I graduated, um, I met Marcus through Coach Cox, who gave me an internship while I was covering professional sports. But it was just a couple, about two, three years ago, Marcus had an opportunity. It was, I cover a high school basketball tournament down in Florida. So this was my first time ever going to Florida. So I drove down. We had a nice um I ninety five South. Right. <laughs> and uh I just remember man just when I got there, going to sleep, waking up the next morning, and I look out the balcony and we got like a right here by the lake, by the ocean, man. And it's just like man, just waking up and going down to the dock and just taking a picture. I'm like, man, just just visualizing this, man, and just like, man, just imagine if I invest in myself, continue investing in myself, like the opportunities that I can have. Like, the thing that went in my mind is, this is just temporary right now, but how can I get something like this every day? Mm. And, you know, just doing the same thing over and over, just when I'm uh, just working the job, it's like, it's not getting me to, to that point. So I'm just like, man, just investing in yourself. And, and when you come in contact with these people, man, they help you. They, they give you these pushes to get you to where you need to go. So that was my mindset. It's like, man, I want something like this every day. I don't want to just do this just when I go on vacation just to get away from a job that I hate. And then I got to enjoy my one week or whatever. And then I got to go back to doing that again to what I hate. I was like, how do I get to, do it to this point every single day to where I, on my own time I can enjoy this type of scenery? So that was just like a life-changing experience for me. And 
Uh, I don't even I don't even think I ever told Marcus that, but I I tell him when I see him and he'll watch this. So I appreciate Marcus. That was definitely like a life changing experience for me because wow. those type of things, man. You, you never take those kind of things for granted, and the things that people do for you, like when you, when you're on your journey. Yeah, you you're right, man. Um, for me, man, it was uh Dr. William Sullivan. He was the uh, or it still is the director of the Upper Bound program in in Las Vegas, and Dr. Sullivan used to have whatever whatever. Yeah, it was. He had that model Cadillac, you know. Mm. And so he used to drive that Cadillac. And I was like, man, I, what I wouldn't give to be this lifestyle. We, you know, he drove me to his house, you know. And his house was real nice. He used to shop his Sharper Image all the time. Oh, wait, I'm telling my age now. Do you ever heard of Sharper Shar Image? No. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so Sharper Image is this, is this um, and, I, don't, and I, I know their website's up. I, I think they took a lot of their stores down. But um, they used to have... Um, all of the latest and greatest uh, tech tools. So, like you know, like like if you like like if you have a massage chair, right? Well, the sharper image massage chair is like ten times better than the one you've seen or you know of, right? Mm -hmm. It does things that other ones don't. It's always ten times better than what you see in regular stores. So he had everything from the sharper image in his house. I was like, oh my god, I saw that last time I was there, like a foot massager and the, and all these all these great gadgets. And I was like, wow, man. One day I would love to be able to have my own house, you know, and have a, have a garage. Because at that time, we was living in an apartment or whatever. So to have a garage and have my own car or whatever, I was like, wow, this is great. And every year I get a new car? I said, that's, that's, that's amazing. And, you know, so, and, but, but what, what he instilled in me, outside of just, you know, his opulent lifestyle, was, you know, hey, as long as you continue to learn, you know, you can always go as far as you want to. And so he and he wasn't just about hey education in schools. There's a, this whole world out there you have you have to, to to learn from. Now, yeah, that's a very very broad stroke. But what I understand that to to mean today is like I continue learning. You know, mm -hmm. I continue to make myself better. I can by reading books, spending time meditating every morning, spending time working out every day. Because dude, if I can get through a plank, a one minute plank every day, that's the hardest thing I do for that day. <laughs> That's what's up. Right. I'm, 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 I'm winning. <laughs> I can tell you, for me, one of the more profound things that I've done, <clears throat> honestly, was I can say that I've read more since I graduated from college. I've read more since I graduated than I did, honestly, any point while I was in college. Mm -hmm. And man, just the part, part of just self-educating and just reading the things that I'm reading and paying attention to the things that I'm paying attention to now, it's, it's like a profound difference now. Like I just learned so much more um when I did those things in my own like when I was I can say when I was in school, I, I was just there to um because I felt like that's what I was supposed to do, like high school, college and then go get a job. But man, it was just like I thought when I graduated because I was covering sports that I was just gonna go get a job at ESP and I thought I just thought I was gonna give them my resume and just say, come on in, you you got a job with us. But I just kept hearing no so many times. So and honestly, that was one of the best things that happened to me because it forced me to you know continue to invest in myself, read more, um, create my own opportunity, and just travel. And this is one of the best experiences because that's why we're here here today. And um, this has been a great conversation. I, I really <laughs> enjoyed it. But that that's been one of the best things. Is just you you really have to invest in yourself and, and learn from from the people that you that are doing something that you want to do because um, that's that's been so profound. Like I said, school won't always give you those tools that you need. And mm -mm. when you get out in the real world, you'll be you're gonna be stuck. Man, it's, man it's if you can if you can read and comprehend and do basic math, that's all you need. Mm -hmm. Because doing business is really easy. 
as soon as you make more money than you spend, you're in business. That's it. You know, okay, let me say to everybody, you know, six years of college, you know, four years of undergrad, two years of business school. The minute you spend, or the minute you make more than you spend, now you're in business. That's it. That's the whole formula. Very simple. So you buy something at $1 instead of $3, you're in business. You're in business. That's it. A lot of times we might try to spend all the money that we have right then and there. Like, well, I got $5. Well, okay. Well, well money management is a whole nother thing. <laughs> But the the first the first step is done. You gotta you gotta you gotta make you gotta you gotta spend. Uh, well, you gotta make your purchases in a way that you are your um your your costs are less than what you're spending. The minute you do that, you're in business. Money management is a whole nother thing. But it, you know, it's a book book I read. Um, uh, it's called the uh the uh, um the millionaire mind. And the millionaire mind, he, he, the guy lays out a very very nice budgeting system and you can apply it to your nine to five you can buy comply to your entrepreneurship but how you should live off 50 percent of your income and then he breaks up breaks down the other 50 percent into into other accounts so that way you always have money for the stuff that you want to do and it just accumulates if you if you if you discipline yourself it will accumulate you but next thing you know there's money to do these things like oh well, i was gonna do so and so man i'm gonna find the money oh i got this account yeah i can go do that did you did you feel like you had to overcome what would you say is the biggest thing you felt like you had to overcome to be successful? Well, successful is relative, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you know, have I have I do I feel like I've I've achieved success? Sure, in in a lot of different ways I have. Um, cause I can pay all my bills off my business, so I feel like that's one success, right? Mm-hmm. It's one hurdle. But the biggest thing I had to overcome um, was uh, I think, and I still I still deal with this somewhat is forgiveness. Because, you know, there's a lot of things you go through in your life that you hang on to and you hold on to. You know, you know, you talk, you talked about social injustice, for example, you know, with uh, with uh, George Floyd, and you look at that and it's like, you know, well, gosh, it makes me scared to drive because you know, I'm, it's like the hunt is on, right? Mm-hmm. But then you have to look a little bit, lar- a little bit bigger than that because I know that's what the media wants us as black people to believe is that there's a race war coming, right? So we won't pay attention to the economics. That's going on. Just pay attention to the you know, white dude over there don't like me, so I got to be ready for him or her or whatever. That's not the case. The, the real case is, is, is the economics. And coming back to forgiveness, you have to, I had to forgive myself for, you know, not doing this earlier. Because, like, wow. damn, Carlos, I was your age. If somebody just told me, Trey, do it this way. Look at this, what you can do. That's like you mentioned your book title. I mean, your book um, um, cover, how mm-hmm. you're talking to your younger self. Man, do you realize if you had somebody that right. told you this before, I could have saved all them years in college, man. Because that stuff I learned or whatever. One, when I graduated, like I said, it was right at, right at the point of 9-11, my degrees were worthless. Mm-hmm. So I basically had to get certified in, in, uh, in software development. Man, that took me less than a year. So I was spent I spent like nine years getting two degrees, and I could do this. I could do this in a year and been done. Man, come on! But there was nobody there to, to coach me and say, "Hey, you know, let me let me help you or show you a better way." And when you when, you know dealing with that, you know, was difficult because I was like, "Man, I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. I could have been doing this." But you gotta let that go. Right. Like, hey, we here today. Okay, we okay, mm-hmm. sure. We made that mistakes. Guess what? We're gonna make more quote unquote mistakes, or some people call failures or whatever, right? You're gonna keep doing that. And the faster you can get over stuff and the faster you can forgive yourself, 
the better you're going to be. And that was the biggest thing I had to get over. I, that's, that's a great point that you made about forgiveness. Because like, a, lot, a lot of times I say the same thing. Like, man, I wish I would have done this earlier. And um, I'll be next month I'll be 29. And I said this on one of our other interviews. We, we had a young lady that we were working with um, about a month ago. And she, she told me how old she was. She said she was 19 years old. And I'm looking at her like, man, if I was your age, I'd be doing this different. I'm like, I'm talking to myself like, man, I'm not even 30 yet. And I'm still telling her that. And she's she like almost not 19, 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's crazy that I'm, I'm looking back already telling her what I would do differently. But it's like, you know, like you, you live and you learn. And you, do. you just, just got to keep moving forward. Don't don't beat yourself up about it, but it's just like it's just part of life, you know. And I, I I'll never be mad at my parents. Our parents can only teach us what they know. That's it. So what, it's only it's up to us now, especially with all the technology we have and the access to the internet, so we can find out anything that we need to know now. But like you said, forgiveness that's definitely what the the perfect word because like if you don't, man, you you continue to beat yourself up about stuff. That you wish you would have done differently. Yeah, when you were young. and you have to be thankful for the experiences. Right. See, that's that's when you know that you have truly gotten past something is when you're thankful for the experience and the people. Even though people do you wrong, you know, you know, tear your heart to shreds or whatever, you know, beat you down or whatever emotionally. But you got to be thankful for those people because they were put there to help you think things through differently and make different decisions next time. Mm-hmm. It may be as simple as not touching the hot stove again, right? You right. know, it's just that it could just be, you know, summarized that, that simplistically. But you thank for that hot stove because now you know, oh, that's hot. hot. I ain't going to reach for that this time. I'm going to go get mm-hmm. this this oven mitt this time. And being and it was, um, I'm, 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 I can't, uh, Michael Beckwith who said that you have to be, the, the the way you know that you have gotten over things and you have truly forgiven yourself and the other person or whatever is when you are thankful for the experience by finding the gift in the experience. Like, what was my gift in going through that? And a lot of times when you're when you're in the midst of, of the anger and the hurt or whatever, you have to search for that gift. Like, what what was the lesson learned that is, that, that is the wisdom in this? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And when you figure that out, then you're like, oh, wow, dang. Man, thank you for cheating on me. That was great. Now, now I understand. Now, you know, I, I appreciate you robbing me out of that money or whatever. Now I understand. Gosh, I needed that because now I know I'll never go down that road again. Never. I will always walk oh, the, the, the whole block around that way or whatever. And you're thankful for that. And you got to get to that space. Mm-hmm. And you have to, apply, I, I apply that, that formula for everything that happens to me in my life that I feel has hurt me. I apply that same formula. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the gift? And then when I find out the gift, then I'm thankful because now I got this piece of wisdom that I would not have gotten any place else had I not done or gone through what I went through. Absolutely. And just, um, of course, it's not about me, but just the stuff you were just saying, it makes me kind of reflect back to my book. And Absolutely. Just the stuff that I was writing about. Promote that book. F school, yeah. wasn't that what's called? Yeah, F school. Yeah, like, there you go. Best teacher, man. That's it's, right. It's, it's, it's gonna be a, it's a lot of stuff in it, man. That I I never I suppressed for a long time. Sure. I never thought I would really talk about it, and then when I just when I started writing, man, it was just like more and more just started coming out, and just and just reading. I was like, man, I came a long way, and just um even when my publisher she sent me a copy to just go over, like just to like look over it, make sure before she turns it in to get the final copies and everything, and I just read. Look back at it, I'm just like, man, I really went through a lot of stuff. I did some crazy stuff in college or whatever. But 
you know, you, you got to go through those things and learn. And uh, like you said, you, you're thankful. I mean, I met some of the greatest people in my life, some of my best friends. Um, it's just been a great journey, but it's like, you got to forgive yourself. You got just got to keep on moving forward. But like, like I said. Well, you know, but that's so, it's so much easier to say that than actually do it. People say, just get over it and move forward. You right. know, those are some easy words, some mm-hmm. easy words. But it's, it, it's, it's nobody ever teaches you a formula or a process. You got to process those emotions because that's another thing, man. As men. People feel like we're not supposed to have emotions. We didn't have no feelings. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. At what point do we stop being human? Because last time I checked, let's see, when you're you're, you're formed in the womb, you start off with a heartbeat, and then you get a brain, then gender's assigned later, Mm -hmm. right? But you're alive. You're alive. Then gender comes. So at what point did they, because I remember, well, not remember, but I know that when I was born, I was attached to a placenta. Everybody else yeah. was. Women, women are too. But when they cut the umbilical cord, they cut out our emotions. That that that, that, that right. leaked out of the yeah, umbilical. We 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 on the floor. So, um, having see being taught in a society that as a man you're not supposed to have feelings or it's never okay to express your feelings or express how you feel. And I I learned uh, earlier on that being vulnerable is power there. It's power about talking about how you feel. It's power in deciding that, hey, I understand that I am an emotional being and I do have feelings and my feelings matter. And that's another concept, I think, as an entrepreneur or just as a business owner that, that you, have to, you have to dial into. Like, my, what do I feel about this? How do I feel about this? Because you're the leader. People mm-hmm. follow your lead. And so, and so if, you don't, if you're feeling a certain way about something, people will pick up on that. It's, it's energy. And if you're excited about something, like I'm excited to be here with you, right. the energy is coming through. Absolutely. You know, even if people are just listening and don't see this, they can hear my voice. They can hear the, the enthusiasm, yep. right? And, you know, it's, it's not the fact that, you know, I've drunk a Red Bull before I started this. I'm <laughs> drinking water. I ain't no shout out to the water company. But uh, <laughs> I, had, I had cold water when I started this, this interview. But it's, um, it's, it's, it's what you feel and the fact that I'm a feeling human being and, and I let my emotions process in me so that way things that i need to deal with i learn how to process my emotions and my feelings so when i, when I get angry about something i don't just get angry and lash out anymore i started wondering whoa, 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 whoa. why am i angry what about this situation is hurting me or why am i resistant to it what's what's going on with me because i look at me first because the other person is providing me an opportunity for growth because whatever that ha- is happening because i'm not doing the same stuff i used to do so I know I'm in a different space. Right. You know what I'm saying? So this is that this what I'm presented with now is is challenging me. So I got to deal with whatever is resisting in me so I can process that accordingly and release it. So that way I can now ex- I can be present in that moment because when you're angry about something, you ain't there. Oh no. You don't you, want to hit nothing. You ain't you you don't want to hit nothing. You're not there. You're not present. Right. You're, 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 as they say nowadays, you're in your feelings. You ain't yep. here. You're in your feelings, yep. right? <laughs> but but that's exactly right. You are. So what what is it within me that I need to release so I can be present in this moment and then take advantage of whatever opportunity is here before me? And that's how I look at, at situations now. So it's not about getting angry and um, which button you're going to push today or whatever. No, 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 no. It's so much better to approach situations with no expectations. Then that way you're you're fully present. You're not like you know where's the like like, like I came here. I could come here like where where's, where's hair and makeup? You know right. you know I, you know I want my line to be straight as Carlos's right now. You know where where, where all that at? You know, 
But no, it's, it's, it's about, hey, this is an opportunity, it's an experience, so I'm going to be present and here with you the entire way, and I'm blessed to be here, brother. Absolutely, I appreciate And it. big enough shout-out to uh, Mar Marcus Burnett, because I, I know your name. Knew your name back in 1989 <laughs> when Bad Boys first dropped. I've, I've been a fan ever since then, Marcus. <laughs> yeah, shout-out to Marcus at HBTV again. <laughs> oh, man, this has been a great interview. I, I have a few more questions, and then we'll get ready to wrap it up. Sure, go ahead, man. Um, as far as the pandemic, what would you say is the biggest lesson you learned from the pandemic? Man, it's gonna sound real bad. Pandemic was a blessing, and I say, but, and but I, say, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, but let, let me explain it for those of us like, what is five hundred thousand people that died? Like, oh no, 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 that's not what I mean. Not what I mean. I feel like um, the pandemic um, is a is a is a, it's almost like a natural disaster because it's killing people, and that's never good. I'm never, you know, a lot of people say, hey, great, it's population control. No, nah, no, nah, man, that, that killing people off ain't the way. Send them, send them to Mars or the moon, you know, you want to get rid of the population. <laughs> send, you know, send, send, let them buy some property up there. But the pandemic was a blessing because it slowed everything down for a minute and it allowed my company to grow up. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that, you know, because I give a big shout out to, you know, to Tabitha Brown. She was the Instagram mm -hmm. influencer that, literally blew life into our, our business. I mean, it was like, you know, she, she's... I seen when she was talking. Yeah, yeah she had a million followers, a little over a million before she, because she's much bigger now, right? So I, I knew her back when she only had a million followers, right? And she grabbed a bag of those chips, flipped on her camera and said, it must be Jesus in these bags. And baby, that was the breath that blew into our company. And then we, was, we was like, oh, we got a heartbeat and, a, and I, my, my, my little baby running now. And so... um. Had had we not been in her at home, right? She might have been doing other things mm -hmm. and would have never received that box of chips I sent her, right? And had that never happened, it never would have the other events that cascaded behind that that are still going on would not be happening. So as, as I say it's been a blessing, you know, a lot of people say my business was hurting. Well, lots of people had to invent e-commerce arms. Well, we started off online. We was already there. Right. We was ready. Right. We had we was ready. So when the wave hit. We was ready to catch most of it. We couldn't catch the whole tsunami. We caught a big chunk of it, but um, it's been it's it's been you know it's been a, it's been a great learning experience. Um, you know because you know we're you know having to do things remotely now in some situations. But man, I've gotten in conversation with people that I never would have gotten into had I had to fly out to see them. Because some people are like you got to do stuff in person, but now everything's on Zoom mm -hmm. or. Or Google Meet or whatever, and it's great because like, hey, I can catch these people, even though their kid hit them with a bat, you know, in, in the <laughs> background or whatever. <laughs> We're still able to have conversations right. and meetings, and it continues continues to move my business forward. So, I think, I think the the I won't call the pandemic great. Let me let me change my vernacular. I think the opportunity for the world to slow down for a second, mm -hmm. I think, and become more remote has helped my business. Mm -hmm. From that and, regard. And that, when you said I, you said it been a blessing. Now, I understood what you was coming from because it's all about perspective. You can you can always focus on the negative, but also always focus on the positive. And like it just it was a time for a lot of people. You know, like I said, slow down, spend time with your family, understand what's really important. Save me a lot of money staying at home. Like I didn't have to worry about just spending money. He's just constantly being on the go all the time. Yep. Um, but it, it was definitely a blessing. In it, it's just what you all what you focus on, but of course, you know, some people want to. I hate to say it, they focus more on the negative side of it than the positive, but like you say, it's it's, it's always a blessing in everything. You're like, you may Absolutely. not realize it then, but just looking back, when you over time, you realize, man, that really worked out in your favor more than it you did. actually would. Um, what something else I want to ask you is if you had to lay out a blueprint um, for business, um, 
any for any business, like however you want to lay it out, what would you say would be your blueprint? Man, this is a wonderful book I read called The Four Hour Work Week. That book's like my Bible. And that was about Ferris? Yep, Ferris Tim Ferris. Yep, yep, Timothy Ferris. Man, it's about outsourcing your life. And it, and it starts you start making decisions earlier on about who can do what. So you, it's just like you start delegating early, you know, you know, stop doing stuff yourself. And, and what, what he was really saying was, you know, it was really like getting out of your own way as a business owner. You have to be able to, hey, so-and-so is better at this. You know, going back to the, the point we made earlier was, hey, somebody has more passion about so-and-so. Let them do that. Okay? Right. Somebody's great at this part. Let them do that. And then let them do this over here. So that's like my, my supply chain. I could have very easily mixed the spices myself. I could have very easily put some... I don't know, tape some paper bags together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I could have very easily fried every batch of chips myself. I could, I could do that. But it wouldn't have the same effect that it has right now. And I could not operate at the level I need to operate at that I'm doing right now. So I would say outsource as much as you can, as mm-hmm. early as you can. Get it off you because I need to be free. I need to be freed up to be able to focus on what's the next pieces my business needs. Like where's the next thing I need to do. Um, I think what, so some of the some of the habits of the of the the mega rich are, you know, being able to focus or they, they or a, a, a lot of them use the uh, the terminology just meditate on their businesses and just growing themselves personally and then their businesses cuz this is this is a business is like a baby. It's literally like a newborn baby mm-hmm. a lot of times. When a newborn, you know, there's no benefit of a newborn. You know, it, 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 the first six months of life, it, it, they, they angry, they scream Man. at you, and you got to change doo-doo all the time, all right? The time. <laughs> all the time. And they crap, and they, and, they yell, and they yell at you all the time. It's yep. the worst thing, but it, it requires so much of your attention. And so that's, what I, that's, what, that's how I would equate a business. So the same blueprint you use to, for a child, which is you never have enough money. Yeah, there's never a right time. You just got to do it. Mm-hmm. You just got to do Let's just yeah. get it, and then let's just, let's just roll with it. And then you're going, and the next thing you know, the child is is 18 years old and now in college. You know, so it's like, wow, you know, we Tom we did flies. it. Time <laughs> flies, but um, you 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 do these things, you know, with 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 the the mindset of I'm just going to get in it and I'm going to go forward. So as far as the blueprint goes, I say outsource as much as you can because it's like, my, you know, my wife at the time could have could have breastfed till it looked. Strange in public, you know, <laughs> but that wasn't the case. You know, we started using, you know, formula, or whatever, uh-huh. so that we outsourced that. So it's the same kind of thing. Like, well, we we could have uh, made our own uh, diapers, right, and and then washed them. But you know, mm-hmm. Huggies was great. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So it's, again, this is things that you do with your infant that you can do with your business. You just outsource the, the items that one you're not great at, or things that you just need to get off you. Somebody else can do. Like I wish I somebody would told me to hire a nanny. Oh baby, you mean I gotta get up at two a.m.? You know how many times yeah, I saw yeah. I saw three, four, fourteen, and you know two thirty-eight. Yeah. Them them numbers them numbers is real. <laughs> I That's sleep rough. I sleep past them numbers. <laughs> but. But um, but that that's what I would say the blueprint would be is not to be afraid to outsource things. Right. So that way you can spend time focusing on growing your business than 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 uh than performing in your job because you can have a, you can own a business or you can own a job. There's a choice and a difference in that. So I rather own the business than own a job. Absolutely. And then my final question is the question we love to ask everybody um, when we're doing our tour. We still ask them now. Um, What does self-investment mean to you? Self-investment. 
for me, it's it's um it's so multifaceted because self investment, you know, to me, you know, uh, talks about self esteem, talks about self worth, um, um, self image. You know, these are all things that that are part of that investment because you're constantly growing. I, I don't believe that um, there's a perfect place for me to be. It's always going to be this journey I'm on to just be better because you can only go as far as you are clear. So as long as I invest in learning things, then my vision grows further. I become more clearer on things and more clear on who that higher self looks like and what my higher self, how my higher self would respond to things, right? right. So that's what you aspire to be. So the greater I can, the greater the information I can, I can bring or pull in towards myself, then I am, I'm investing in me being better. I'm improving my, the people that are around me. And also, I'm setting the, the better example for my children. So I look at the living by example thing being, it's, it's, it's such, a, such a real thing. Um, and that example includes, in, uh, to, to your, you know, going back to your question, self-investment, is, it, to me, it comprises all of those things about how you can be better for yourself and be better for your community, and which changes the, the, um, the ecosystem that, that you're participating in. So self-investment starts, and it almost goes back to the old saying, you know, a chain's only as strong as its weakest link, right? Yeah, I remember, I remember, man, I, I, played, I played football back in high school. I remember going to state, and my coach said, I'm going to give you this long speech. He said, I'm going to tell you this. If we lose, don't be, don't be the one. Don't be the reason. Right. <laughs> Most definitely, yep. So, so <laughs> that, was my, that was my encouragement to uh, do the extra 10 push-ups, yeah. you know, everything I had to do. To not be the reason why, so that self that self investment, man, to me is 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 um is something that continuously happens. It's um it, it never stops. Um, whether it's it's not just money, it's it's education, it's things you read, it's situations you put 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 yourself in. You know, some people say, well, hey, man, that's a good problem to have. I don't believe that this. It, I don't think I think that's an oxymoron, like political science, right? I think that's an oxymoron. Good problem? Nah. Like it's like, well, it's, it's like changing. It's like having a flat tire in a Ferrari. Well. To me, it's still, a, it's still my car is still disabled. I can't right. go nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> I got the same problem to do with the Honda guy, you know. Right. Said my car is four hundred thousand dollars, but right. I still got to call an Uber. You know, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's not good. So, so um, I would say it's a, it, to, uh, to me, it means to never stop improving, never stop growing, continuing to put myself in, in better situations by learning from older situations and continuing to thrive. That's a perfect way to end this interview. Mr. Anderson, I want to thank you for your time. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. It was actually longer than what I had expected, but, man, this was this was great. I'm sorry, man. I'm long-winded, man. Oh, I'm no, in it's, trouble, it's, man. It was perfect. Like, hey, Mr. Anderson wouldn't shut up. We had to cut all this yeah. out, you know. Oh, his no, his no, answer no. went off another 18 <laughs> seconds, you know. <laughs> no, we, uh, you know, when I when we when we have people on, that's why it's so important for me, you know, like I said, to you know, we do all, we've done all of our interviews face-to-face because, like I said, you get to feel that energy and have a great time on – but we, we never time our guests when they come on. We tell them, you know, the floor is yours. We'll ask you questions. I mean, you go on, the floor is yours. But this was definitely a great interview. I enjoyed it. Um, this was very fun. Um, got a lot of laughs in, too. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Um, but that, that, that's why I love this more than just doing, like, a, a Zoom or a Skype or anything because, like, you can feel the person's energy. And I can just tell you're a great person. Um, you're doing a great job with your business, with your children. Uh, I just really appreciate everything you're doing. Like I said, it's important because I love to see people that look like us 
doing something great. So before we get out of here, can you tell everyone how to find um, find you and find Symphony Chips? All right, absolutely. If you are in the Atlanta area, you can find us at your Atlanta area targets, um, also in, in a few select Walmarts. Also, if wherever you are in the country, if you walk in TJ Maxx and Marshalls, our chips are there. Also, if you are on the on the West Coast, the Pacific Northwest to be exact, and you're near Amazon Fresh, we are on the shelves there at Amazon Fresh. But also, also, if you don't want it to be bothered with going out into the pandemic, you can always find us online at symphonychips.com, symphony, S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-Y-C-H-I-P-S.com. Order, we deliver right to your door. Follow us on Instagram at Chips. Also, Facebook is Symphony Chips as well. We love to uh, to, to uh, put up new content. We have our spices, our spice line coming. So if you love the chips, you're going to really love the spices. We got some we got some more chip flavors coming this year as well. So you got to follow us to, 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 to know about it. And uh, I, I love you all. The people who, who have already tried our chips, tell all your friends about it. It's the only gourmet potato chip on the planet. Nobody else says gourmet. They infer it with, with, with uh, sea salt and, and fresh cracked pepper. But if you cook, that's just salt and pepper. You ain't doing nothing special. Hey, people have been doing that for, for the last 100,000 years. We are the only 28 urban spice blend on the market right now. So if you want to raise your chip game, you want an opulent flavor, you want you want to know what it's like to have a real gourmet meal on the chip, check out Symphony. Everybody's harmonious. Absolutely. And to our people back home in the Carolinas, please, like you said, TJ Maxx. Marshalls, yeah, TJ Maxx Max and Marshalls right yeah. now. If you, if you, uh, uh, South was it South Kakalaki? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we I, get. I, yeah. I definitely make sure I'll, I'll get some when we get home. Hopefully, by the time we get back, they're still open. But most definitely, I want to, like I said, Mr. Anderson, I appreciate you again. This was a great interview. We really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Hopefully, everybody watching this interview, you guys learned something, learned a lot from this episode right here. So until next time, keep chasing your dreams. This is the Cross the Line Podcast. Thank you for listening.